0: Welcome to the VSA Capital Tech and Transitional Energy Podcast on Thursday, 17th of August.
1: Uh, Hi, Phil. How are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Andrew. Uh, You're a bit excited, aren't you? You're going on holiday next week, aren't you? I am. I'm heading down to Cornwall and then up to Devon. Can't wait. Uh, Well, most other people are on holiday. That probably means, though, that you're away. And then after that, I'm away. We might not get a podcast done for a while. Well, we'll have plenty of news when we both get back, Andrew. Well,
0: we will. I'm obviously uh, will be away uh, going around North America, marketing my long-duration energy storage presentation. And I'm traveling around with Larry Zulch of Infinity Energy Systems. And we we spent quite a lot of time this week, Phil, haven't we, Uh, getting my little presentation correct. And I'm working on a very interesting concept that I've put together, which I'm just going to give listeners a quick listen to my ideas. I do have a full presentation. If anybody wants it, then just uh, message me. Uh, but what I've been looking at really is what happened back in the 90s in the semiconductor industry, because everybody thought that Intel was the dominant player in, in computer chips. And then they were called CIS chips, which is Complex Instruction Set Computing. And everybody just sort of assumed when mobile phones started coming out and these sort of devices that, you know, oh, we'll just put an Intel chip in and there you go. Off we go. Uh, but of course, it wasn't quite like that because the whole point was that a, a CISC chip was needed a lot of power. It was very complex. It was bigger. And it just wasn't appropriate. And of course, we all know what happened. And that is the ARM came along. Uh, I was the guy backing ARM right back in the, the early 90s when there was 12 of them. Uh, and there's a book that's been published uh, where I am actually mentioned in the book as the, uh, the, uh, the financier that was getting behind it called The, the Blueprint of Everything by uh, James Ashton. There you go, James, a little plug for you. Uh, and they said, look, actually, what a mobile phone needs, and this is where the huge growth is going to be, is a much simpler chip, lower power and smaller size. So it's called a risk chip, which is reduced instruction set computing. Uh, we know the story after that, of course, Arm went on to be an incredibly megabillion multiple whatever company. And what I'm trying to say is that what we're seeing at the moment is that lithium iron, which is sort of the, the main player that people are looking at for if they're looking at an energy storage battery, is actually ideally suited to short duration and smaller battery sizes. We know that because we have them in our mobile phones and everywhere. Um, they will be okay for cars. But again, we know with cars, the problem is not enough duration. Uh, and they weigh an awful lot of locks. You have to put so many of them, you pack thousands of batteries in. So in the same way that somebody came along and developed a a solution to this issue, I believe that for long duration energy storage, you need a bigger sized battery. And and the solution is a flow battery um, because it's just like inventing the wrist chip for arm. And my presentation then obviously goes on to demonstrate, uh, first of all, that actually if you look at the levelized cost of, of, of storage, i.e. you look at the cost of the life of the battery over its entire life and not just the upfront cost, actually, vanadium flow batteries are significantly cheaper than lithium ion batteries. Uh, and therefore, why wouldn't you move in that direction? Uh, and uh, We go through some quite interesting things such as the, the quite exceptional growth we're going to see um, in uh, long duration energy storage. We talk a little bit about the fact that actually the biggest form of long-duration energy storage in the is pumped hydro. Not a lot of people know that. We do do some comparative work. We've looked haven't we, at uh, EOS, ESS, Form Energy. Um, a, 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 it's a big conglomerate, N, NGK insulators, but they have, a, they have an interesting uh, division which makes sodium sulfur batteries. So we've looked at all the different batteries as well. Um, and I mean, the end conclusion, Phil, is that we're talking here about a $4 trillion market, which is just un- incon- It's massive. A- and we happen to believe that uh, vanadium flow batteries, and there's no question about that, that Invinity Energy Systems is the most advanced and the probably the only commercial one, will get a significant percentage of that market. And that is going to be massive. Uh, and that is the story. I think the Americans will love it. Uh, we're getting some really good meetings in. Uh, I think uh, we could see some they've obviously got an OTC quote uh, I think everybody knows the the CEO is American the main operation in bank is in Vancouver we're also doing a Vancouver site visit uh, and getting some very interesting people coming on to that high net worth etc uh,
1: so it's pretty exciting but that's what we're doing this week well not what I've been doing you've been helping me for haven't you well, I have indeed, Andrew. Yeah, look, it, it it is terrifically exciting. The whole area of of grid storage, and batteries, is just not all about EVs. It's certainly about the grid, um, and you know, as it as it uh, transitions to renewables. But I think the thing is about long duration energy storage, and it's not widely understood, is that the greater the proportion of renewables, the really the more de- dependent we are. And the grid can't go down for hours at a time within the day. And you need longer duration, you know, storage that can operate over the hour. So it's a key, key part of the messaging there. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, Andrew's sticking on the U.S. and valuations uh, for, for renewable-related technologies. Um, but in particular, uh, electric vehicles. I don't know. Did you see this week the IPO of VinFast?
0: Yeah. I did see the, and it was bigger than, I think, Ford and GM together, something like 70 billion or something. Uh, and uh, obviously, uh, people who, who listen to me elsewhere will know that I'm a huge fan of Vietnam. It's one of the biggest positions in my own uh, personal sip. Uh, and so I have a lot of knowledge about VinFast. Yeah. But do tell her give your view as well, Phil.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, Well, it's um, I, I did re- well. I've obviously been reading up about it. they found in two thousand seventeen. They're part of Vietnam's uh, c- a conglomerate called Vingroup, Group, uh, and they became a pure EV manufacturer in only in two thousand twenty two. Obviously, I'm sure they're developing the tech over time for this. Uh, they market four EV models in the states. Uh, they're launching in the US. The plan is to build a big factory uh, in the US. Um, they a $4 billion factory in North Carolina, so they've obviously got huge, huge ambitions in the States. Um, and they're also launching vehicles in New York this year in Germany, France and the Netherlands. So, uh, but, but my word, did it get a good response on the stock markets over there. So, good, interesting to see. And I mean, and closer to home and somewhat, probably a little bit more sadly, was, uh, did you see the news on Tether?
0: I did see the news on Teva, as you know, it's uh, a group that we've all looked at. They were based up in uh, Tilbury, and they've managed to sort of RTO into an American uh, truck manufacturer. Um, So well done them for getting it done. Um, Valuation uh, to be somewhat defined, I think, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, I'd have thought so. I mean, you know, there's still in an earlier stage, but they've got manufacturing operations in the UK, uh, which they are going to keep. So it's a hydrogen electric uh, uh, hybrid truck um, and they will be producing in the States. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But good to see it's got it's uh, survived things and um, has got a new partner there to scale it.
0: Yeah, it's, I mean, I think that for those, again, people who heard our views a lot. To make an electric truck really, um, although people are trying, is very difficult because you need so many batteries to make it work. I think in the the truck market, it's probably true in, in many other sort of large, be it lorries, trains, ships, the hybrid model is the way forward where you have both uh, EV and probably hydrogen alongside each other so that they can back each other up. They have different Capabilities and it will just make the whole thing actually work.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely right. But uh, yeah, we've met with the guys at Tav uh, before, and and it's so yeah, it's an area of our expertise and interest. That's for sure. Um, just keeping with the hydrogen thing, uh, ITM Power. Uh, I've had a couple of announcements this week. Um, I mean, the one that caught my eye, Andrew, was about, and there's something they've highlighted apparently January, was the strategic options for the exit of Motif uh, fuels, which they had uh, developed a JV in March 22 on. And this was to roll out hydrogen refueling stations in the UK. Um, and 30 million pounds was committed between both parties and IBM have now, not IBM, ITM, I better correct that one, of oh, redirecting uh, their original um, investment that was being put into that uh, into that JV.
0: Right. By the way, Phil, I think you need to speak up a bit because it's quite quiet to me. Listeners may find you a little bit quiet. Is and it? You know, can, not... can you hear
1: me better now?
0: Yeah, that's better, yeah.
1: Right, sorry, I was away from the microphone. Uh, totally.
0: um, yeah you, you've got to understand when you do a podcast you sit by the, the microphone what yeah thank you thing. thank you that's actually, very helpful. one on itm that caught my eye was their finals today they were very excited by the fact they'd actually done revenue of 5.2 million they thought this was incredible um yeah okay maybe the guidance was a bit lower but you made an ebitda loss or an adjusted ebitda loss of 94.2 million so what the hell are they spending all the money on
1: an awful lot of engineers, Andrew, and development. These are very- and where have they got with that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, luckily they got two hundred thirty-eight million of cash left because you know they had some big banks acting for them who raised them massive amounts of cash at probably the right time. Um, but you know, it's just an endless spewing out of cash. Having said that, having said that. I think the the you know we we do know that at some stage fuel cells are gonna become a serious part of energy storage as we've discussed before, and uh hybrid in be it lorries trucks ships rail trains whatever so there will be some winners um but I think people have got to look at the companies that have got their um they've got a very clear focus of how they're going to get in have got the right partners and who are not losing money hand over fist in the hope that they come out a winner and so there will be winners It's obviously it won't happen overnight and it's working out who they are going to be i think actually it's fair to say probably phil that it's having seen all the pain that a lot of these fuel cell companies have gone through uh, we are starting to take it all a bit more seriously because valuations are coming down to levels that actually probably start to make sense to have a look at fuel cell companies.
1: Yeah. Oh, I think so, Andrew. And also, we are seeing them start to get, you know, some sort of real commercial traction, proper development going, work going on with partners, um, you know, and some real big partners taking interest. Um, but it all does take time and uh, a lot of investment, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, Now, the other one I thought uh, you might comment on from today, you probably are. You've probably got it in notes to of on later because it is sort of um, technology. But wow, what a deal that was by BAE
1: Systems today. 5.5
0: billion in cash for Ball aerospace.
1: I tell you what, I have got it right in front of me. This must be now one of Britain's biggest tech companies, I think. Andrew <laughs> BA Systems. It's certainly our biggest defence uh, manufacturer. Yeah, crikey. Yeah, Ball, ball Aerospace Estates. States. Uh, I was looking at what they've, you know, what they do, and it's, uh, it's, yeah, it's all space related. Uh, space related systems. They've also got defence tech across air, land, and sea domains. Um, close links also with U.S. intelligence um, involved in civil space as well, missiles, munitions. You know, well, um, yeah, all all the areas to be in in defence. That's for uh, that's for sure. And it was interesting looking at what they've um, paid, uh, multiple of thirteen times EBITDA, which is. Probably average for most sort of software companies, you know, or, or below that. But, uh, yeah, when you look at what they're buying, the capability, and it's all these relationships they'll be buying as well. That was, I thought it was impressive.
0: Yeah, no, it was impressive. But I'll tell you what, I'm now going to take you, and you, this may be next in your pile of notes anyway, but I want to take you to the other end of the scale from huge, huge, huge to tiny, 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 but a little diamond. Uh, it is a VSA client, supersede um, now these guys really know what they're doing, they're really a private equity group. We float a little company that sort of mirrors their private equity group. And I mean, the uh, I just love the, the headline of their uh, interims, which was continued delivery with a 436% increase in total income and a 648% rise in operating profit. I mean, that's pretty good going, isn't it? Now, it's, it's you've got to put it into context, look at the nav, because that's what really counts. Uh, but the NAV had grown by twenty one point seven percent. I mean, what's not to like about this company, Phil?
1: It's look. Well, it, it is a client, but but trust me, as a, as a tech analyst, this really is worth a further look. Um, it's Superseed is a is a is a fund um, about I think it's about fifty million fund, but Superseed Capital is a is a feeder into that fund, um, and they invest in um based software companies that have an ai you know that are ai driven and this is really is it's real ai have a look at the companies that are in their portfolio um, and what they're doing um and they're across you know they, they're they're across it's, it's all about increasing business efficiency or productivity or manufacturing productivity the way the software is applied they've got some really exciting companies in their portfolio and they invest well I mean, for instance, one of the companies that they invested in um, just over nine months ago is called Tech Tech Assembly, and they have um, it's software technology. It's involved in international hotel booking, has, has AI to do that. But they only invested nine months ago, at an early stage level, and it's just been acquired by Saber Corporation, uh, Nasdaq last listed in the U.S. So they've already made an IRR of forty percent um, on that investment. So they're very, very clever investors. Um, it's certainly a discount to its NAV and one that we think is is definitely unwarranted and it's got really high quality underlying tech investments, well worth looking at, super seed.
0: Yeah, look, it, I, I've got them personally in my pension fund. Um, it, it's not very marketable, I accept that, but I mean, you buy it and you just say, I'm going to sit on this for five years uh, and you should make a lot of money. Uh, talking about corporate clients, it's maybe worth just mentioning. Um, we've talked one about this one quite a lot on this podcast, but Equipmate had a wonderful write-up in the Midas column, didn't they, by Joanne Hart this weekend. Mm. And it sent the stock up about another 25%. Um There's actually becoming quite a lot of uh liquidity in this. Uh, a lot of people say there isn't any liquidity uh, on the acquis market. This one's trading very nicely. And, of course, uh, since we did the placing at 5.5p, sorry, rather, back in um, January, it's now nearly 12p so that's a pretty good return a placing there aren't many places you can say you've had that sort of return this year or other no
1: i don't know i i don't think so i um, mean it's a, it's electric uh, motor and inverter technology it's into it's into heavy transport but also also supercars and uh emerging electric aerospace uh yeah it's a it's a client but it's an exciting tech one uh, and that's, yeah it's equipped eqip take a look all right what, what else have you got phil well, um, we are a bit thin on news, but the um, I don't know if you saw. See, the UK has been a real centre for fintech investment. Um, um, we have dropped what third, right, third in the globe for VC investment. Forty percent of that's been in fintech, um, but uh, actual investment has, you know, really has come down. Uh, given the environment and this andrew this is privately this vc investment apparently it's down by 57 percent the first half of 2023 this is kpmg data that's investment into uk fintech um and valuations have come off with that and we've seen things like Re- revolut the valuation being cut on 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 that um and that's held by schroders openly came out said so they cut the valuation But uh, there was an announcement this week uh, that the UK is launching a £1 billion fintech fund to try and compete with Silicon Valley. Uh, Partnering with the fund is is MasterCard, Barclays, and the London Stock Exchange. So they are hoping to help fintech companies out. So thank you. Yeah. And uh, a final one for me, um, and this is one that was reporting results, interest, is Centralnik. No, you like a bit of sell right? Well, You know, we do <laughs> the ticker is scenic C N I C, market cap 360 million. They have their interims. Um, this company develops uh, proprietary software that's used to distribute global domain names uh, for websites. Um, and managing domain names, you've got to remember that uh, big corporations have lots of domains and so it's part of their IP and needs to be protected. Um, and they also have uh, software that is used for. Advertising digital advertising um, and targeting that, but targeting it without uh, the need for third party cookies, which of course we all know and love. Um, so, the company made a first off free tax profit of about 13 million dollars. This was down from six, uh, 15.8 million in the prior year, but that was mainly. On a uh, small increase in cost of sales, but non-cash charges including amortization and forex. but their revenue uh, was up to 396 million dollars uh, from 335, and their adjusted earnings were by 16 percent to 14.6, uh, with organic revenue growth of 31 percent. So overall, me thinks it was pretty good. Um, and they say they are trading at least in line with current market expectations for the whole year so that was uh centralic we are that I think uh, that's it for me Andrew, there wasn't uh let's say that quiet time of year lots of people were on holiday um and I was away next week
0: yeah I mean a couple of things maybe just wrap up on um clearly um I think most people know that we follow China pretty closely because we have an office in Shanghai uh, and maybe not so much on this podcast, but certainly talking to my clients all year I've been warning them to be very careful of China. It's all about to go horribly wrong. Obviously it is now all going horribly wrong. Uh, the amount of information the Chinese are giving on certain statistics, which they used to give lots on, they're now stopping it. They're even saying, you know, we don't want them published. Um, things like youth unemployment above 20% is just horrific. They've got deflation. Property prices are collapsing. Uh, It's quite a mess. It has a big global knock-on effect um, around the rest of the world, uh, including tech. Um, So just be aware of that. If you want more information on China, again, just speak to us directly because we do keep a pretty close eye on it. Uh, And then finally, Phil, I think we've got to say, Good luck to the lionesses on Sunday at 11 o'clock. I think the whole of the UK, whole of the England, that should say, sorry, it's England, don't they, uh, will be glued to their TVs at 11 o'clock. Uh, let's beat the hell out of the Spanish and let the lionesses come back with
1: the World Cup. Oh, that would be fantastic! Yeah, we we look forward to that. I hope they win big, and it'll be a big, big inspiration to uh, to lots of uh, young girls there to get into sport as well. They're a real inspiration. So, yeah, good luck to them.
0: Football's coming home, as they say. Very good. Uh, we're going to have a little bit of a pause now, I think, because Phil's away, I'm away, uh, and we'll probably. Um gather back together when Phil's back he may decide to do a podcast with one of my colleagues uh, and I'll be back sort of mid-September in the meantime uh, of course if you want to come and sponsor us just send us the check, if you disagree with anything we say tell us, if you've got anything you want us to talk about in the future just ask us, we love a bit of interaction, uh, it's not purely a one way conversation, but on that note Phil you have a good holiday and uh, we'll speak an on.
1: We will do Andrew. Take
0: care. This podcast has been produced and edited by VSA Capital. It is intended for information purposes and not as investment advice. The information is intended for recipients who understand the risks associated with equity investments in smaller companies. Please do your own research and do not rely on a single source when making an investment decision. VSA Capital may derive fees from this content and seeks to do business with the companies mentioned.